The following audio is from LaGrange Church of Christ, located in Texas. For more information about LaGrange Church of Christ, please visit our website at www.lagrangecoc.com. Well, grace and peace to you this morning, and and thank you for those words, David. Uh, You will be missed, but I know that you'll be back to visit as soon as you can. I know that Tom Walker is very disappointed in all the uh, elementary kids that were down here this morning uh, that didn't know what a cattle guard was. Um, He will be hosting a class on Sunday afternoons, Cattle Management 101, for uh, any elementary age kids that uh, need some help there. What if I were to tell you that the world has been turned upside down? Many of you would probably agree, you may think about recent changes that have happened in our country. Um, your, Your mind may be drawn to Supreme Court decisions, riots in the streets of major cities, or the continual violence we experience in our schools, movie theaters, and other public places. The world that we live in today is much different than it was 50, 30, or even 20 years ago. Things like cell phones, video calls, Facebook, and the internet were once unheard of, but now they are part of everyday life. Our world has been turned upside down, but maybe not in the way that you are thinking. When we hear about our world being turned upside down, the first place our minds should go should not be to politics, the news, or other current events. When we hear this, as Christians, our minds should be drawn to the book of Acts. In Acts 17 and verse 6, the early church, the first Christians, were accused of turning the world upside down. What were they doing? What were they saying? How were they behaving that caused people to say, look at those people, they're turning the world upside down. Whatever it was, I would suggest that we need more of it. Instead of simply reacting to the world and being shocked about what is going on, we need to be changing it. Now, there were plenty of things to get upset about in the first century. But that's not what the early Christians did. They set out to make a difference. They set out to change the world. They set out to turn their world upside down. Now, if someone were to lay out the early church's plan before they began, you would have thought that they were crazy. I mean, here was a small group of ragtag believers and a man who had just been crucified who were about to set out to challenge the ideologies of religions that were hundreds and thousands of years old and a government that was the most powerful the world had ever known. How could a small group of nobodies change the world? Crazy, right? Well, they did. But they didn't do it alone. They had God on their side, and we know that with God, all things are possible. At least that's what we say. I'm not sure we always believe it. I'm not sure we always fully trust in that statement. 
I mean, we have doubts about turning our own community upside down, much less the world. We're not sure if we can even make a difference in one neighborhood. We doubt. We refuse to try because we are afraid of failure. And instead of going out into the world, we retreat to the safety of our building. And we watch the world being turned upside down, and we have nothing to do with it. And this is why we need the book of Acts. It is a reminder of what happened when a small group of Christians banded together and changed the world. It is a reminder of what happens when we, when we refuse to doubt or fear. And when we fully put our trust in an all-powerful, almighty God who created heaven and earth. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at the book of Acts. It is a book that will challenge us. It is a book that will sometimes make us feel a little bit uncomfortable. It is a book that will remind us of who we are and what we need to be doing. And so let's begin this morning by simply reading the first five verses in this important book. Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. It begins this way. In the first book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus did and taught from the beginning until the day when he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions to the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen... After his suffering, he presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. While staying with them, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait there for the promise of the Father. This, he said, is what you have heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. These first five verses introduce the book of Acts. And the author of Acts is the same author of the Gospel of Luke. In fact, this book is a sequel to Luke. It picks up right where the Gospel of Luke left off. Acts and Luke combined make up one-fourth of the New Testament. And so these two books tell the story of Jesus and his followers and the impact that they had on the world. As we begin this study, we want to pay attention to the similarities between Luke and Acts. And we need to be reminded that the book of Acts does not stand alone. It is connected to what Luke wrote before. It has its roots in the story of Jesus. The stories in the book of Acts would not exist today if it were not for Jesus. The people we encounter in Acts are Jesus' followers. They are on a journey that began with one man who died on a cross and was raised three days later. And this good news is at the center of this book. The first thing we want to notice is that what Jesus does in the gospel of Luke, the church continues in the book of Acts. The ministry of Jesus and the ministry of the church are exactly the same. And so if what we are doing does not look like Jesus, then we're doing something wrong. In the Gospel of Luke, uh, Jesus outlines his ministry before he even begins it. He tells us what he's going to do up front. And this statement is found in Luke 4, 18 and 19, where Jesus says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, 
because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the, the year of the Lord's favor. And so the ministry of Jesus consisted of the proclamation of good news, especially to the people who were ready to receive it. And so these were people who were already humble. These were people who were looking for something more. Jesus focused much of his ministry on the poor. He helped those who were in need. He ministered to people who were hurting. He paid attention to people on the margins. He fed the hungry. He healed the sick. He ate with sinners. In the book of Acts, the church follows Jesus' lead. They continue the ministry that he began. What is the first thing that the church does once it is established? They begin to minister to the poor. We find this in Acts 2, verses 44 and 45. And all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. The church believed that God would provide. But they, don't, they didn't just believe it, they acted upon it. And so they took what they had, and they sold it, and then they began to help people who were in need. What an amazing thing. And this comes right after Peter preaches his famous sermon on the day of Pentecost. Now, I think I, I've had a good sermon or two in my life, you know, but I've never had someone come up to me, to, come up to me afterward and say, you know, that sermon was so powerful, I'm going to go sell my car and help someone in need. That's never happened to me, okay? Um, but perhaps the problem is not so much in the sermon, but in our unwillingness to put all our trust in God. Because Jesus calls us to do radical things. He calls a rich man to sell everything he has and give it to the poor, he calls fishermen to leave their jobs and to follow him. He calls us to pick up a cross, to pick up an instrument of death, and imitate the life of the one who gave everything. In the book of Acts, people take these radical calls seriously. They sell their possessions they go on mission trips that take them where they've never gone before. Some of them even face death. And none of them ever seem to think, well, I know this is what you said, Jesus, but did you really mean it? They don't do that. They just do it. They, they take Jesus at his word, and they continue the ministry he began. They look like Jesus. They act like Jesus. They're radical, just like Jesus. Second, Luke begins with an emphasis on the kingdom, and this continues in Acts. In Luke chapter 1, we encounter two songs. Um, David read one of those this morning, the one by Mary, and there's another one following that by Zechariah. And the heart of both of those songs is on the kingdom. Something big is about to happen. The moment that people have anticipated for years is here at last. The Messiah is coming and the kingdom that cannot be destroyed is going to be established. And so Mary sings that 
people on thrones will be brought down and that the lowly will be lifted up. The hungry will be fed and the rich will be sent away empty. Zechariah describes it this way in Luke 1, 78 and 79. By the tender mercy of our God, the dawn from on high will break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. And this is what takes place when Jesus shows up. But it's also something that continues. It continues in the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 3, we learn that the kingdom was at the center of Jesus' message. The first questions that come up in the book of Acts are questions about the kingdom. What is the kingdom? Well, it's God's reign. It's God's rule. The kingdom is here. It has been established. But it's still breaking into our world in unexpected ways. We still pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There are still dark places in this world where God's will is not done on earth as it is in heaven. There are still places waiting and anticipating the light of the kingdom to shine upon them. And whenever we bring light to a dark world, we are doing kingdom work. Whenever we encounter chaos in this world and we bring about order, we're doing kingdom work. This is what Jesus did. This is what the early church did. And this is our mission today. Finally, both books begin with a baptism. The ministry of Jesus begins with his baptism by John the Baptist. In Luke 3, Jesus is baptized. He then spends 40 days in the wilderness where he is tempted. And after this temptation, he begins his ministry in Nazareth. The book of Acts begins with the apostles being baptized with the Holy Spirit. This then begins their ministry. They begin to teach and preach. They begin to heal people and perform miracles. They begin to change the world. But it all begins with baptism. And our ministry is not any different. It all begins with baptism. Why is baptism so important? Well, it's the moment that we fully submit ourselves to God. It is a death, burial, and resurrection. We die to ourselves and we are raised a new creation. It is the one thing that prepares us for ministry, prepares us for service in God's kingdom. It is a total life makeover. Baptism sets us on a different course. It prepares us to go out and turn the world upside down. This is what happens in Luke. Jesus is baptized, and then he goes out to change the world. The same thing happens in Acts. The followers of Jesus are baptized, and they go out and they turn the world upside down. At the beginning of Acts, there is an anticipation. The followers of Jesus are waiting for something to happen. They're not doing anything. They're, they're just sitting there in Jerusalem, and they're waiting. We are good at waiting. 
we are good at talking about this scenario or that scenario. But if we're not careful, we can spend a lifetime waiting. Eventually, these Jesus followers went out. And they turned their world upside down. Haven't we waited long enough? Isn't it time we went out into this community and we turned it upside down? Isn't it time we take the radical call of Jesus seriously and begin to follow in his footsteps? Let's pray. Father, we come before you at this time and we praise you. We are so blessed by everything that you have done for us and given us. We're amazed by your grace and your mercy. At the same time, Father, we are challenged by the life that you have called us to live. We confess that we have not always lived up to that call. We've not always taken your words seriously. We've not always done what we've read about. We ask for forgiveness and we ask for a change of heart. We pray that we will have faith just like the early church had faith. And that we'll not focus on the concerns of this world but our focus will be on the concerns of your kingdom. May we go out and change the world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.